You're watching Truth vs. Hype. This much is clear that on the early hours of Monday morning, the Indian Air Force struck inside Pakistan. But six days later, questions have begun to surface on whether the strikes achieved what was claimed of taking out a key terror camp and killing scores of terrorists. Whether it's parliamentary panels, opposition parties or the world press, these questions have gained in urgency. And India's silence remains baffling. All the more given that the same world press has found enough to question Pakistan's predictable denials of the patronage of terror groups. Let's try and cut through the multiple claims and counterclaims of that fateful morning which almost brought two countries to the brink of war. To date, the only official statement detailing the outcome of the strike has come from the Foreign Secretary on the day of the strikes. Let's listen. In an intelligence-led operation in the early hours of today, India struck the biggest training camp of the Jaish e Mohammed in Balakot. In this operation, a very large number of Jaish e Mohammed terrorists, trainers, senior commanders, and groups of jihadis who were being trained for Fidayan action were eliminated. Around the same time, though, officials unofficially leaked numbers suggesting around 300 terrorists may have been killed, perhaps even more. This number of 300 or perhaps even more terrorists was repeated in media outlet after media outlet, whether it's print or television and beyond. But as it turned out, when opposition parties at an all-party meeting asked the foreign minister about the 300 figure, the government refused to own it. As Omar Abdullah, one of those who was present, tweeted, the government was categorical that it can't and won't speculate as to the number of JEM Kader killed in this morning's action while the intelligence available to the government before the strike indicates how many were there in the run-up to the attack, the number of dead and the identity of those killed has not been established. So those quoting source-based numbers, this is all Omar Abdullah by the way, ranging all the way up to 300 plus, have no basis in fact for these numbers. Had the numbers been accurate, the government would have officially told us. Later when this question was put to military officials at their press conference on Thursday, they too said they can't speculate on casualties. There is uh, fairly credible evidence with us which proves that there was uh, damage to the camps. The weapons hit the intended target and they caused the damage that was intended. Uh, however, it will be immature to say, uh, premature sorry, to, um, uh, to say that what is the number of casualties we have been able to uh, inflict on those camps and what is the number of deaths. Pakistani officials, on the other hand, have been tweeting pictures of shrapnel claiming India had not hit any target. And of course, repeating their standard line that they don't encourage terror groups on their soil. So where does the truth lie? India has yet, as we said, to release images of the strike and its aftermath. The only images released were of a dossier with what appeared to be archival imagery of the purported Jaish camp that was hit. A sort of pictorial walkthrough of this terror camp in Balakot. But multiple reports by international media organizations that visited the site suggest a nuanced picture. That there was some sort of a Jaish e Mohammed facility or facilities in the vicinity of the strike in Balakot in Pakistan's Mansera district, but that India may not have hit it. Al Jazeera, which ran the most detailed piece, quoted witnesses and local journalists who said that the Indian munitions appeared to strike a mostly uninhabited forest near the mountain village of Jaba, near Balakot. Local residents told Al Jazeera the area was once home to a JEM training camp, but that it had been shut years ago. 
Residents offered conflicting accounts of the facility's work, with some saying it only offered religious education, while others alleging it was a training camp for Jaish fighters. Al Jazeera also managed to get a picture of a signboard positioned some distance away from this madrasa, the Madrasa Talimul Quran, which listed Masood Azhar as its leader and Muhammad Yusuf Azhar as its administrator. Let's move on to Reuters. They quoted Pakistani villagers in the area saying they had heard loud bangs in the early hours of Tuesday, but reported only one person wounded by bomb shards. An unnamed resident said there was a nearby madrasa run by the Jaish, though most villagers were guarded talking about their militant neighbours. The Associated Press. Several reporters, including an AP journalist, trudged up to the site of the bombing. They saw several large craters, a few appended trees and villagers wondering why they had been targeted. Several verified Twitter handles amongst them journalists also shared this cell phone clip made at the location of the strike which while gloating at India's supposedly missed targets inadvertently points out the Jaish or Mujahideen facilities. اس کیپوں کے بالکل نزدیک ہی ہے ہم یہاں پر جو باقی ہوئے اللہ پاک نے بچا دی ہیں کیم کو کوئی نقصان نہیں ہوا البتہ یہ کیم کے نزدیک یہ مکان ہیں جو ڈیمج ہوئے شاہ صاحب ہے ان کے زخمی ہوئے ہیں The camp is being saved by the grace of God he says The presence of intact structures not far from the blast site are also borne out by experts in open source intelligence or OPINT who use satellite imagery amongst a host of digital resources to piece together what may have happened. Michael J. Sheldon at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab based in DC says an only visible damage that he could find on satellite imagery was to a patch of trees near the target area. The Sheldon piece also refers to one of the images released by Indian officials of what appears to be a gate and guard post to the entrance of the Jaish facility and finds it bore a high resemblance to a point along the road that he found on satellite imagery. The Australian Strategic Policy Institute, no evidence of damage to the facility or nearby areas is visible on the images. By analysing areas of healthy vegetation, they say they've been able to identify three clear impact areas which fall between 150 and 200 metres from the edge of the structures. Now, so there may be questions over India's claim of hitting a Jaish camp, but there's clearly enough to suggest, contrary to Pakistan's claims, that there was a Jaish camp or seminary in the vicinity at Balakot. In fact, much before the strike, there is enough publicly available information about Jaish links to Balakot. A US Department of Defense memo released through WikiLeaks in January 2004 says Balakot is a location known to house a, a training camp that offers both basic and advanced terror training on explosives and artillery. The Delhi-based Institute of Peace and Conflict Studies in November 2005. Until 2001, the JEM had training facilities in Afghanistan, although they've now been relocated to Balakot in NWFP, Peshawar, and in parts of POK. May 2016, Indian media reports the arrest of a Balakot-trained JEM militant, Abdul Rahman Khan from Baramullah. An AK-47 was amongst those recovered from him. And in December 2016, the NIA charge sheet in the Pathan court case says that during the examination, witnesses have identified the voices of Maulana Masood Azhar in relevant audio clips as he used to frequently listen to their speeches during their training at the Bala court camp. And finally, the Jaish's own in-house journal, Al-Kalam, 
carries a quote as recently as April last year of Abdul Rauf Azgar, who is Masood Azhar's brother, saying, the youth who rise from this madrasa, the madrasa, Talim al-Quran and Balakot, have broken the arrogance of the mountains of Kashmir and lit the torch of jihad there. And they will, God willing, continue to keep it alight. All right, let's go to panel. Uh, joining us on the show, we have with us Lieutenant General Satish Dua. Great to have you, sir. You've served in okay. Kashmir. Ajay Shukla, of course, defense analyst. Air Marshal Nirdosh Tyagi, former Deputy Chief of Air Staff. And C. Christine Fair, Provost, Distinguished Associate Professor at Georgetown University, Edmund A. Wall School of uh, Foreign Service. Ajay, let me just start with you to say, and we'll come to the Pakistan Jaish link in a second, but just about this information gap that India seems to be facing, that the world clearly doesn't seem to be convinced about some of the initial claims we made. Why do you think that we are holding back with providing a credible explanation for what exactly happened? Uh, there's no good answer to that particular question. Because while we wanted to send one particular message, hmm. uh, which is that we have the ability to strike terror camps deep inside Pakistan, right. Uh, we have partly conveyed that message. We were able to strike deep inside Pakistan. Yes. But we have not yet established whether we were able to accurately strike a terror camp deep mm. inside Pakistan. So that message is only partially conveyed. What's the what's holding There are up? also two other important audiences which deserve to know this message. One is the Pakistan public so that you can put pressure through the back door on the Pakistani military at India's right. uh, success in doing that. Right. And the second is the political message to the Indian public themselves. Mm. Now, the Indian public, I think, wants to believe this. Right. So it's perfectly happy going ahead with the official narrative, even in the absence of any photographic evidence or evidence of other kind. But the Pakistan public equally doesn't want to believe it. So you're missing out on that audience. Right. Christine Fair, do you think that this is not a great look for India? That as this chorus grows increasingly around the world, raising questions on the effectiveness of the strike, that we still have to hear a credible explanation? Yeah, I think it's a problem. Um, I think it should be seen in the context of this government exaggerating other punitive measures. For example, there's a lot of questions surrounding what actually did or did not happen in the so-called Myanmar raid. And I, I also, I was uh, going through social media, I saw that a number of journalists were circulating images that Snopes, which is this fact-checking website, uh, I think it's based in the U.S., found was actually taken from a video game. So I think there's two big paws of, of dubiety. One is over this government and its claims, and the other is, of course, and you are clearly an exception, but to Indian journalism, which has been very complicit in um, exaggerating, and I think that the credibility of both institutions are, are in the chopping block. But, right. but having said this, I mean, let's just be really clear with this kind of an operation, unless there were cameras on the munitions, there's, or unless you have drone footage, it's actually impossible to discern the pre and post strike area. Right. So this is going to be something that India is just simply not going to be able to prove. Right. General Dua, you think that it's important to put out proof? Or just the fact that we've managed to hit inside Pakistan, that's all that should count? Uh, first, first of all, uh, <coughs> I don't think Indian government or official uh, uh, you know, the, uh, press release has ever put a figure to this 300. 
No, the 300 has largely come, as I media, mentioned, media. informally. No, no, it has come from government sources, right? From but leaks. it has been leaked That's to the media informally. Yes. Uh, all right. So, uh, so I, I won't. So, get into not, the media has not made it up. So uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I won't get into that. The the point is, uh, because of the Pulwama attack, the country decided <coughs> that we are going to cross the line. Sure. And we've hit three terror camps. All the three locations are terror camps, non-military targets and uh, preemptive strikes, etc. One camp in Balakot? No, in Balakot, one camp. Yes. We've hit at three places. Otherwise, I thought the attack was also Muzaffarabad, Chakoti, initially. No, the Foreign Secretary's yeah, briefing just I said know. one camp in I, Balakot. I, I, I you may be that. privy to that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm saying the initial thing started yes, off yes. Uh, with the three yes. strikes. But then as Foreign Secretary briefed, he brought out that there is only one camp. Yes. Right? So we get back to this. Now, the point here is... Uh, whether we've hit, I'm now getting to uh, at another point, uh, whether we've hit the camp proper or the clip that you showed, whether it is in the uh, you know in proximity of the sure. camp and the camp sure. has not been hit, sure. whether we've caused 10 casualties or 300 or sure. not. The larger point being yes. that we've signaled our intent as a country okay. that we will go across and hit a terror camp not only in the POK, if required, even beyond. Right. So that is the larger message. Okay, you're saying that the larger message is, is important, the detail perhaps uh, may not be that critical. Is that something that uh, M. Marshal Tyagi, you agree with? Or you think that it's important for uh, the government, the Air Force, to come out and also share details of exactly what was hit? Uh, no, I agree with General Dua uh, that... Uh, the first issue is about uh, sending a clear message that there will be action taken against uh, uh, terror camps which mm. exist in Pakistan. But let me explain the other point, you know, the point about targeting and what Air Force response should be. Uh, and I'll uh, take help of some technical uh, explanation of the armament used. You see, this, uh, these strikes were carried out from a standoff distance, a very large standoff distance. Mm. And uh, the earlier strikes, there was a requirement to, for the aircraft to overfly the target and the battle damage assessment was done by the same aircraft or the same formation, right. trailing uh, aircraft which flew over that area. Okay. Now, this is a standoff uh, strike done at night from very long ranges. Right. The armament used uses, uh, uh, you know, you have to feed the coordinates which are based on actionable information. Right. Now, how, how good is that actionable information, the pilots will not know. And they are right. not supposed to be concerned with that. Fair enough. If you feed, if you give information that there is a target at some place, that information is fed to the armament. The armament flies on inertial navigation system initially, updated by uh, GPS, which okay, is so the same technique which is used for aircraft. Right. And then uses Im uh, infrared imaging to uh, in the final phases. Now, similar armament is going to be used if the strike had been carried out by Israel or USA. So, in simple uh, terms, whatever sir. the accuracy you are looking for, not true. Not in simple terms, there's a lot of Air Force jargon being used here to obfuscate a simple fact, right? There was an intent, but India I has not I shown capability. And if we're talking about deterrence, yeah. it, intent alone does not matter. It is capability. And let's also be clear I used to do a lot of work for the Air Force when I worked at RAND. The pilots 
cannot do a damage assessment, particularly when they're using a standoff weapon. Right. The only way we can do a damage assessment is if there was a recording device on the munition and if we had some sort of eye in the sky looking at pre and post assessment of okay. the terrain. So we can use a lot of Air Force jargon to obfuscate a basic truth. We don't know what happened. It's not remotely clear that India said what it did do okay. was actually true. Okay, okay, and sorry. And of course, uh, capability matters as much as intent here if we're talking about deterrence. Okay, capability matters as much as intent. Uh, uh, Marshal Tiagi, do, do complete your point. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm sorry I couldn't make out because the audio, ladies' audio is not very clear. Yes, but, but if we could just try to simplify in simple terms, role. you're saying that it was difficult, you're yes, saying technically yeah, it's difficult to, be, uh, to, to make out what could have happened in simple terms, yes? No, no, no. It, it has to be made out by different means. You know, the strike cannot make out, the strike can only make out that the weapon was launched accurately. Right. And the weapon has uh, gone in the, you know, in the, I mean, it is supposed to do what it is intended to do. Right. That's all the uh, Air Force will confirm. It has to be verified. Now, before uh, I came on your program, about an hour back, I was surfing other channels. Yes. And there was a channel which was giving indirect uh, evidence of the damage done. Through through uh, uh, through intercepts, message intercepts, and all. Well, now we this is the kind of information which will be pieced together over a period of time. Okay, so and you're saying on that will you decide how many people were killed? Okay, fair enough. Air so Force will not know how many people were killed, okay. how many were there. Okay, so you're saying that that's something which will only emerge uh, perhaps later. But on the wider point, though, about the fact that there is yes. Jesh presence, Ajay, at that location which clearly a lot of these reports have uh, yes. established and also historically uh, has emerged. So that completely questions the Pakistani narrative that, you know, we don't patronize, we don't give patronage to these groups, which is something you all know. But now I'm saying that yes. one of the consequences of this uh, has been that that has now emerged fairly clearly. Uh, Vasu, that, that is something that the whole world has known. That's something which Christine Fair has written about extensively. Yes. Uh, that's, some, that's something that Pakistan reacts to with just a bland denial. Uh, and that is not going to change. You heard their foreign minister, Shah yes. Mahmood Qureshi, talking to CNN and BBC. Yeah, it was almost it's laughable. It's just flat denial. But here's the thing. He actually, sorry, I just to jump in. He didn't actually quite deny it. He actually said that we spoke <laughs> to Jesh and they, and they said that they didn't do it. No, and he also said that we've got, we spoke to Azad Masood, but he's very unwell. He's very unwell. He's, he's bedridden. He's, he, was, he was laughable in that interview. But here's the point. I don't agree with this contention that it's not possible to make out the impact of the thing. One method of making out is what Christine says, which is to have cameras on the munition. All you need is commercial satellite photography. Yes. One sweep pre-date of the strike. One sweep One after the state of the strike. I have cannot figure out why the Indian government cannot present this evidence. There right. is no reason for it. Christine, I just want to get you in on the point about Jesh and about the idea that, uh, you know, we all saw and uh, the, uh, the near ludicrous answers by Shah Mahmood Qureshi. But, uh, you know, I've seen you uh, in your various appearances in the past several days talk about how it's contingent that the world community bears down on Pakistan to try and stop this business of of running uh, terror outfits. Given yeah. that, that seems unlikely at the moment, given with what's happening in Afghanistan and so on, what do you think is a more realistic outcome of this? I mean, if we don't know for a fact whether India actually took out a Jaish camp, uh, you know, global pressure, what's, what's realistic at this point? 
So that's why I go back to capabilities, right? So I, it, it is an unfortunate fact that there's going to be a, at least the United States and China and possibly Russia that will obfuscate any meaningful uh, costs to be imposed upon Pakistan. And, and, and even if we could marshal all of the instruments that we have short of a devastating war, which further vivisects the country, it's not clear that we could stop the Pakistan army from doing this because right. the Pakistan army can't win a war and it has nuclear weapons it can't use. This is all it has. So this is why I believe that capability matters. It is right. one thing that India signals intent. India must also signal capability. capability. Okay, yep. We have seen it's fallen short of that. And, and, and by the way, I say that as a well-wisher of India. I had oh. hoped tremendously that it had taken out the camp because that camp not only trains Jaish activists, it also trains individuals that are going to Afghanistan where they can kill my soldiers and my allies. Fair enough. General Dua, now on this question of capability, we're very short on time. That airstrikes, I don't know how often we can go back and do that. But the question that often ordinary Indians ask is, are there other ways, less visible ways of taking out Jaish assets? Sure. Uh, you see, two years ago when Uri happened, we went across and stuck a shallow, what is known as surgical strikes. Today or this time, we we had the precision airstrike very yes. deep inside. Yes. Or whether it's standoff or not, it's a, it's deep inside uh, Pakistan territory. Right. Next time round, let's say if there is a terror attack which compels our country. Now, hopefully, yes. we've drawn new yes. red lines and we've shed the soft state tag. And yes. if we want to go and hit across, yes. there are other ways of doing it. We're not going to repeat one of these two. There there is there is an artillery uh, long range weapons that can target. Nowadays, the ranges are extended. You have uh, missile targeting with precision. So, so there's there a range of options. Yes. But I think at the same time, evidence is also, I think, something uh, which is very important. We'll have to wait and see how that actually plays out. Thank you all so much for joining us. We're completely out of time. That's Truth vs. Hype. Thanks for watching. Good night.